This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. So, like usually before Yontiv, we try to learn something inside from somebody who will help us feel, experience the Yontiv. I think this might be the first time I've used a piece from a vulva. I don't know, but I just always like to spend two or three minutes talking about the person. Um, Revolver was somebody I was over to here many times. He was born in Germany in the early 1900s. He was born to actually not from parents. Um, I think his father might have been reformed, if not mistaken. His mother's more traditional. He didn't have much of a Jewish education. Somehow he ended up in the Mir Yeshiva. I guess there had been some prepping and prior uh, you know, learning of sorts. Mir was at that university Yeshiva. And he came there about 1933. He became extremely attracted. He, was already, he had already finished university at the time. He became extremely attracted to Rabbi Ruchem, Mashkir Mir, and a profound Musa thinker. And it really changed his life. That meeting and those two years, he was able to absorb a tremendous amount of insight. He stayed, Rev. Yeruchim passed away in 1935, and he stayed on a few more years. He, ended, he had a very interesting life. He ended up in Sweden during the war years, and there was a school there. There was sort of a refugee camp for from girls. He then went to Israel in 19, after the war, and he had a yeshiva in Beryakov for many years. He then moved to Yerushalayim, and many yeshivas took him to give Musa Shmuzen. He was an extraordinarily um, gifted Musa person. He um, had very deep insights on people, on human nature, a very structured way of thinking. He was, to, to listen to him, you could sit and hear. He would spread out a, a, an entire canvas of ideas with Chazal um, and wrote Svarim. Two of them became very famous, Ali Shur, two, two volumes. They're very, very um, widely accepted in yeshivas. And he also spoke a lot, which they later collected and published uh, posthumously. The, um, he, he used to speak in his yeshiva as the, the, from Elul until after Yom Kippur, he would speak many times, but it was a series where pieces would build on each other, and every year there would be a different theme that he built and explained how to make use of it, how to grow from it. It was quite unique in that he was able to take quite deep ideas and also explain to people how they could make use of it. There was always a very, very... Um, it, 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 there was a, 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 it, it was very useful. It was something you could actually implement. A very, very extraordinary. Um, this sefer is taken from one of those books they collected. It, it's called Das Shlomo, Kuntris Ratzon, which deals with Elul um, Tishrei Shmuzen that he said for, I think, 10 years worth of it and so on. We're going to do two pieces, which, like I said before, they stagger on each other. I'm going to, we're going to do part of the first and then the second one. Um, as usual, the copying machine, or the person doing the copying, which was myself, made a mistake. And the, the second side is not really the second side. The second side should be disregarded. It should follow um, the third side and the fourth side. But, okay, that's... Maimarishni is Hatches. So the point is going to start with, you know, as the base is going to be about the, the almost conflicting concept of sameness and renewal that seems to be rooted in many Ruchnistic aspects. The, the world as we know it has been there for thousands of years. On the one hand, we have a very clear dating system. On, on, on a ksuba, on a get, we write a date of how many thousands of years the world is standing. But we say every day that um, 
we proclaim every morning that Kaddish Baruch Hu renews the world. So, so there's a sense of the world being continuous, and there's a sense of the world constantly renewing itself. The, the, the sense of continuity, the old format, and the constant renewal, that is, that is every aspect of creation carries both those traits. We don't have to look further than ourselves. Not one of our cells in the body is the same as a few months ago, and yet we are the same person. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's imagine if, if we would have a car that we would exchange every single part uh, once a year, it would always, we'd assume it to be a totally new car. There wouldn't be anything left of the old car. Um, and yet uh, we, we are the old person. We, 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 we bear the impressions and everything. So in a person itself, you see the, the two. Kenu, the next paragraph, in the Torah. Tfus ha-Torah, kefishu l'faneinu kibalnu mehar Sinai, v'ani mamin, shakola Torah m'tsuyata b'yadeinu, hiya nisum ha-shabeinu, and so on, shazos ha-Torah l'tei muchlefes, l'tarachez ha-bar shem isbar. One of the fundamentals of our faith is that the Torah, as we have it, is exactly as we got it from Sinai. Um, let me add, even the halachas that the Rabbanin added, so to speak, were, they were already latent in the sense that the Torah said the rabbis can and ought to enact certain halachas. So, but the basic Torah, we believe that there is no change and we're not allowed to change anything. That's a fundamental of faith. And yet, there's a Rashi a week ago, two weeks ago, it says, You shouldn't treat it like an old document. Nobody likes stuff that has become dated. You need to treat Torah as if it's new. But it can't be a game. I mean, you're telling me that you can't change one iota, and you're telling me that that's a problem because if you change, um, you're not changing anything, and yet you have to treat it as if it was brand new. Um, how's that? Another instance where you find, it says, Rabbi Loza, it says, when he was teaching Kabbalah, would teach ideas that no ear had ever heard it before. In other words, you can't get more new than that. So there's an aspect in Torah of exactly as it was, immutable, and then there's an idea of ever-flowing and ever-rejuvenating. How? Then he brings another example. A prophet is not allowed to give any new mitzvahs. In other words, the Torah has been sealed at Sinai, or at the end of the, of, of the years in, in, in um, the Midbar. And that's it. There are no more new mitzvahs. Um, when we ask somebody, you, you've been learning, yes, tell me a chiddush. Um, you know, so how does that, on the one hand, even a prophet can't be mechadish something, and yet um, we're supposed to have chiddushim. So he's pointing out two, three areas in Torah itself that seem to carry this contradiction. So he brings a so he, he brings a Rashi which will resolve it. If you if you will hear what was, you'll hear what will be. Which the words don't quite um, make sense. And Rashi explains. Im What does that mean? Mechaze al If you if you repeat 
and you and you hazard what you've learned. Tishma bechadosh, tishakim bo lehovin dvarim chadoshim. You're going to understand new things. Mitoch dvarim yeshanim from within the old things. In other words, um, the process, just like, let's give an example sort of uh, in human terms. When a person, when human beings give birth to a child, the child is a new being who really was drawn out of the old material. We have the sense of both. We know this is no every human being is new, and there hasn't been another person like him or her, and yet it's all something that was latent in the possible combinations of the different genetic material that was there. So the idea is we don't start with the new; we start with the old, and within the old there's the ability to bring out the new. So if somebody um, in, in yeshiva parlance, when, um, when, somebody, when you say that somebody is darshaning, saying a drasha, sometimes there's a pejorative tone to it. And it kind of means that the person is saying ideas, but those ideas are not really what it means. And there was, there's a catchword along the lines of what's the difference between Musr, which is considered positive, and Drush, which has that pejorative meaning in, in that context. One seeks to put into the Pasik, and one seeks to draw out of the Pasik. One starts with my idea, and I need to find a convenient Pasik to stuff it into. And one starts with working on a Pasik again and again until... I begin to get a sense of the fine points in it. It's like when a person has an idea, if you linger on it and you, and you sort of mull over it and you think it through and you chew it up, you begin to see a lot of things that had been contained within the idea. So the Pasuk, so, so Rashi says that if you'll be choza al Talmud shamata, if you'll keep repeating that which you have learned, you're going to be able to come up with the new that from within the old. Hooray. So he's recapping Rashi. We're, we start by working with the old. What's locked into, what, what's especially locked into the old so everything in the same Torah that's been around for so many thousands of years, going through it again and again, paying attention to it, is going to give us new ideas. The new is going to sprout from the old. In that way, it's genuine, and yet it has itself that freshness of newness. Vehine says, Atika kosha The Gemara says it's much harder to review old material than to new, learn thing, than to learn new things. Anybody who's been teaching or been sitting in a classroom knows that there's very, very little um, interest in going over old material, getting people to review lessons, and and the less, the severe threats of a test or something like that it doesn't go well. Um, and new things, there is some interest. But, but you won't find something that's new and genuine unless it's through the pathway of the old. From, from, Fine. So, 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 so he explains that the way in which we're going to find something new is going to be content in the old. It's not going to be a different thing. It's going to be more content in that which was there before. Um, last paragraph. Ukimo babria shekol ziva ola miskale bischatri miomistafka. In the bria itself, in creation, 
it's, it's one of the things that actually I noticed in the States at the Conference of Israel. Because you have so many seasons in the States, many more, you notice things. You notice spring a lot, you notice fall. You, 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 even though the same beautiful flowers and trees have been there all year, there's no sense of it unless there's a change, unless something happened. So he says, The beauty of the world becomes, it, it, it touches you only when there's been some, something, something new. Cain betora, shekol hanoam mizgala bischatches bodafka. The 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 pleasure, the sweetness, the beauty of Torah presents itself only when you have that moment of something new. Ube emes rav hamerchak benamischatish betora mishachai bedashikur. There's a huge gap between a person that fulfills Torah mitzvahs by rote to someone that does it with a constant sense of freshness. There's almost no common denominator. One person is going through motions, one person is having a religious experience. The one who, who's found the new, feels that flavor and feels that truth of Torah. And the one who's doing it by rote, by habit, by training. Omed Nival Mulo, he stands astonished. Just understand the other person. What are you so excited about? The same thing we've been doing always. That's, that is the power of renewal and, and novelty, both in the world around and in Torah. Now, we'll skip the, the page that we just turned in Chafbeis. Okay, one more point, and then, and then we'll... Vigami says, if you take a look, this is true of tshuva as well. Vigam yesoda tshuva yeschachos. Tshuva also has to come like that. He brings a Gemara Menachis. Loma nivra ha'olam behei. It says the world was created with the letter hey. It has many Kabbalistic overtones. The simplest explanation is it's an easy letter. An easy letter meaning um, the minimal amount of sound that I make when I, when I breathe is a, a haze type of sound. Anything else requires some effort, so to speak. I need to, to put my, my tongue, my lips, my palate into place. And the hey is just breathing. And Akadosh Baruch, whose creation of the world, was with the same ease, so to speak. But the Gemara gives another reason why. Moshalach Sadra, Shekol The hay has a big open, the bottom of the hay is open. In other words, if you don't hang on, you will fall through. We have freedom of choice, which means the freedom to bottom out, literally. Why is the foot hanging? Why isn't like a ches where the foot is attached to the top? Because there's an opening to come back. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. I mean, it's a pretty big opening, the bottom of the hay. Why don't you climb back up on, on, through that hay? So the Gemara says, It doesn't work. You can't go back the same way you left. Without going into the details, explaining that chazal in its full detail, he wants to just take a point out of it. We all understand what that means to spiral out. Kimrak tzasis reiking. All it takes is a slowing down, and things spiral out of control. We feel we've sort of gone out of that world. And then it's a hard climb back up. Um, I'm going to skip a line. How do you go back? The road that you left doesn't allow you back in again. 
We can't, a road that you've gone and you've failed on is not going to be the road to go back. In other words, if we to try to understand the main point of this Chazal about the world being a hay, it's going to tell us, A, that it requires effort to stay inside. In other words, if the bottom is missing, you need to be holding on all the time. Two, once you exhaust one way, and this, is, this way hasn't worked, rehashing it a second time is not going to work. There's going to have to be a new opening, a new approach, something new. That, so, so basically, until now, he's spoken about the world in general, the tension between the, 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 that which is and was and, and renewal. He spoke about Torah with different aspects, and he spoke about Shufa. Now we're going to skip to the next, the next page, to the second Mimer. Mimer um, Shani. It's uh, page of Gimel. Okay. Now he's going to try to explain a little bit how, where, what do we mean by new? And um, we can talk about being re-inspired, but that's something that's usually, it, it needs someone else. What, what, is, what does it mean to, to, to do mitzvahs in a way that there's something new constantly? And he's going to give a fascinating insight, which is possibly not what we expected. Atika kosher mechalatas. I'm sorry, the first paragraph of that next mimer. Zui akoshe hagadol bechayim. That's one of the. That's the great difficulty is that that the repeat is more difficult than the new. Kol adam ashabah beyomim yoisa. As a person gets older, yoisa mistaraas hashigra al chayav betorva mitzvus. Habit really takes hold of everything you do. Uh, when a person is young, he's a teenager, there's always new things and exciting things. Um, hopefully, at some point, you stop being a teenager. And uh, part of the downside of stability and normal life and is routine and, uh, and, and being less than inspired. It's the flip side of, of, of stability. So it's a problem. We, we don't hear the newness in it. And we don't feel that we're becoming renewed. But on the other hand, this is really, we're supposed to be moving forward. So, so how do we manage within a stable structure that is pretty much what it is um, not to be, able, to be able to find something new? Let's see, even on a practical level, uh, you know, when a person is young, there are really gaping holes in, he, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that, he does that. And, and a person makes efforts and he changes and so on. But at some point the, the change will be slight. We're, we're hopefully we're all pretty much doing what we're supposed to do. And we can always do more. We're not going to change radically at, at once we're older. So where is that element of Chiddush going to come in? So he quotes a Gemara in Chagiga. Isa b'shili Chagiga. And this Gemara really is sort of the linchpin for the point that he's trying to make. It says in the Gemara Chagiga, It says, you know, even the sinners in Kalal Yisrael are as full of mitzvahs as a pomegranate is full of seeds. It says, the word reka is sort of a play on the word rakosech, reka, meaning even the empty people in Kali Yisrael, the people who don't have much mitzvahs, are full of mitzvahs like a rima. So he says, I always wondered, the Amerikanim Shabbat Mlein Mitzvahs Karimo, if, if, the, if the empty people in Kali Yisrael are full of mitzvahs like a rima, how much more can you add? He says, I mean, when you open up a pomegranate, the seeds explode all over the place. There's not much, you couldn't inject many more seeds. So, so Chazal are using as a metaphor um, that, that the, even the empty people in Kalal Yisrael are full of mitzvahs, like the seeds and pomegranate. So, so how do we describe the people that 
have a lot of mitzvahs, are full of mitzvahs. In that, using that same metaphor, where, where's there room to pack any more seeds in? What's the pshat? So he says it has to be so he says, the point of this chazal is, don't measure the difference between the worthy and the unworthy by how many mitzvahs you have, but rather by the quality, and we'll see in a second what in particular. In other words, the measurement is a measurement. That's what Chazal are telling us. A pomegranate is full of seeds. Those seeds are take up the entire the, the, the entire pomegranate. The difference between a pomegranate that's worthy and not worthy is not going to be in the amount of seeds, but in a certain aspect of the quality. So. He says the full mitzvos kalos. They're full of lightweight mitzvahs. Um, and he's, he's coming from someplace. He's using this term. But I want to stop a second and, and just contemplate that term. The, the, in in Parshas Kiseitze, the Medrash goes on and on and on about how one is not allowed to consider any mitzvah, chas v'shalom, lightweight. Um, it says the Torah did not tell us the positive schar for doing mitzvahs because we didn't want people to get a sense that they might be light or heavy mitzvahs. They're all God's commandments. They're all vitally important. And therefore, we're supposed to do it all. The Medrash discussed it at great length um, and, and, and so on. So what does it mean, mitzvah kalos? And yet, the medrash itself uses the term mitzvah kala, an easy mitzvah. It says that the reason why the Torah told us um, you're going to live long, both by kan sipper and by kibbutz avayim, because we wanted to pick a light mitzvah and a heavy mitzvah. In what sense is a light mitzvah? Where, where do we get a lightweight mitzvah from? So he brings the gemara in avodazar. The Gemara of Rezorah, Gimel Menalv Mevuah, it's, it's on the same page of Gimel, and it's, it's just one paragraph for the end. Kisukah hi mitzvah kala, it says the Goyim will come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and they're going to demand a chance to keep mitzvahs. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu okay, try sukkah. So he says, why is he given sukkah? Because it's a mitzvah kala. It says, Akashbaru tells him, I'll give you a light mitzvah sukkah. So Moses says, Why is it light? So the Gemara says, Mipnei she'en kis. A sukkah doesn't cost much. That was before they gave Hashem on sukkahs and, and sold them uh, for, for a lot of money. Uh, as far as the Torah is, tells us, the psukim tell us, a sukkah, you go out into the field, whatever's left over from the harvest, uh, that becomes your sukkah. The schach is what's left over. The walls are what's left over. R- really, a, a sukkah, a, a natural sukkah should not cost anything. It's, it's whatever's left over from, from your harvest. So, so the, the, um, it, it, it's called a mitzvah kala because it doesn't cost any money. So he says, If it's not difficult for the person to move it, if it's not difficult for the person to do it, that's called light. Kalos ha mitzvah nimdedes bazer, she'ena oiladam kesev onisoyin acha. So just like when we speak of, if I, if I lift up something, I say, oh, this is very light. What I mean is it doesn't take much effort from my part. It's not very taxing. As opposed to something which is heavy, which is very taxing, takes a lot of effort and a lot of work on my part to move it. So we have a new description of a quality of a mitzvah, and that's light, versus heavy, and it means easy versus difficult. So he says, So when it says it doesn't cost money, it means this simply doesn't require um, any expenditure of effort. And so money is, is, is just a very central way of saying it. Anything that costs money meant I had to work to earn the money to buy. But it, it, the point is, 
um, does it take effort, or is it something that can be done effortlessly? Using that definition of a mitzvah kala gives us a very clear understanding, explanation of that chazal about Rishoyim being full of mitzvahs like a rimo. Even the unworthy of Kalal Yisrael are full of mitzvahs like a rimo. It's not how many mitzvahs, they come in tons of mitzvahs. But the mitzvahs kalas, they're, they're light mitzvahs, mitzvahs that demanded nothing of them. Omnam oisen mitzvahs, they do mitzvahs. Avarak mitzvahs she'en isoyim b'kiyumah. But mitzvahs that the person has no problem keeping them. Ve'en bazestira. So, so it's no, contra- no contradiction. They're malayim mitzvahs kalas. They're full of mitzvahs, light mitzvahs. Or be'kolzim re'konishavah. They're empty in the sense that they have a lot of items, but if you put it on a scale, it weighs close to zero. Now, the, the final page. Vitana the Messiah And he says, he brings an incredible chazal that addresses this. Isa the chazal. It says, Horishoye mishamalim schar mitzvah kalis, she'osabolom hazeh, kere letordem ina oilom haba. HaKadosh Baruch Hu pays back Rishoyim for the mitzvahs kalos, for the light mitzvahs in this world. And he does not give them the schar in the world to come. Um, so, so we have a whole a, a definition of Rishoyim here, which is very different than what we expected. Gam Rishoyim is a mitzvah, they do mitzvahs, but mitzvahs kalos like mitzvahs. Uh, mitzvahs that have, that test a person or that cost him effort, time, money, they don't do. And he explains, you can, you can pay these mitzvahs in this world, it's an extraordinary insight. I, I want to spend a minute or two to talk about it. Once upon a time, um, our understanding of the world, uh, science, Aristotelian science was that things naturally are at rest and they require something to keep them moving. That was, um, it seems, very intuitive. Um, you know, to, that some should move, need some to move it. As we advanced, we realized that's not correct and, and it was reformulated that anything at rest stays at rest. Anything that's moving with uniform motion, will stay that way, barring something, stopping it, or whatever. What needs input is acceleration. In other words, the natural order of things is they stay as they stay, even if they're moving. That's an incredible, it's, it's you know, for, for a child, you know, we, we also go through it, it sounds counterintuitive, and yet we, we, we tell you, no, it's true. It's the same thing as true in Ruchnius. Mitzvahs cannot be paid in this world because they're not part of this world. So when a person takes, a person is hungry, and somebody next to him is hungry, and he takes some food of his and gives it to the other person, that deed is not natural. Um, and therefore, it has no schar over here. A person has a tremendous hard to do something, and restrains himself because it's wrong, that act is above nature. It's not natural, and there cannot be schar for that in this world, because it's not part of this world. But somebody who grew up, for instance, eating kosher all his life, and happens to pass by his sort of selling not kosher, and it, rev- it revolts, it's, it's revolting to, 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 to look at it, um, how much is that acceleration? Or is that natural motion? We would unfortunately have to conclude this is, this is a uniform motion. Yes, it's not natural, but, but this is something he's been going with all his life. So it is possible to pay a mitzvah kala in this world because it's natural. The things that we grow up and don't require any effort on our part to, um, to, to, to do something... Is is um, is going to is, is part of, part of this world? 
I remember many, many years ago in yeshiva, we had a group of, of uh, four of us, five of us, we would get together once every two or three weeks, and we would try to think of, you know, Kabbalists to make things that we would undertake to do, and so on. I must have had. And one day it was before Rosh Hashanah, and one of, one, I, I don't remember exactly the theme that we had decided we'd work on, but one of the boys had a grandmother who was um, not an easy person, and there was a lot of contentiousness, there would be all sorts of issues, and he said he thinks um, this, you know, this Hashanah, he's going to, he's going to try to de- defuse the situation, to have a pleasant relationship, with her, not to have a contentious relationship. So another friend of mine, um, with a little bit of a shop with a guy, he says, you know what, that's a great idea. I'll also undertake not to have a contentious relationship with her. I'll, you know, I, I, I won't, I, you know, I'll undertake not to get into fights with her. Um, that's, uh, that's meaningless. It's not, you know, it, it, it's, um, it, it doesn't say anything. Anything which is, which is continues as it was is part of this world. Even if, even if you had to accelerate to get to that speed. But once you're at that speed and it's constant, that's not, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu can pay those mitzvahs in this world because they're really, it's natural for a person who's brought up in a certain way and it's been positively reinforced <coughs> most of his life to just continue that way. But he says, they don't, they're not aberrations from the natural order of things. Something that requires effort and loss, again, money, time, anything, other a person needs to rise above his natural instincts. It calls on him something to, to, to pull himself up. He has to overcome himself. That type of mitzvah has no reward in this world. There's nothing in this world that deals with something that is beyond this world. A mitzvah means you stayed within the framework of your nature, whether it's, your, whether it's the instincts you're born with or whether it's just the pattern of behavior you've been raised with. You can pay back with that. Hamilu Hamiti Masigim Dafgal de Mitzeshekiyuman Mehava Nisoyan Ladam. The way in which that pomegranate gets filled with real content, with, with, with not just empty volume, but with real mass, is mitzvahs that are difficult. A person becomes bigger through it, because he had to he had to rise above himself. And there's a and, and there's a point of being beyond nature. Who he becomes a spiritual person. That's a full person. Um, I, I let's see one more piece, and then we'll talk a few minutes about it. The purpose of Torah is to fill us with this type of content. That we don't remain within how we were brought up, what we're born with, and that's it. Spiritual life means doing things that your natural emotions and culture and everything that's pre-programmed is not dictating. Something that you need to rise above. He brings a Pasuk and a Rashi here. It says, Hain am kilovi yokum nasa. is a nation that rises up like a lion. Uh, it says like a cub. It comes and it rises like a lion. Rashi. Kshem oin when they wake up, shachris they have to they have to push themselves like a lion. to grab mitzvahs, In other words, getting up in the morning is not always easy, and the, and and our first order in the morning 
is to do something that takes an effort. I, I want to tell you a, s- a story that I read recently that was very inspired. Um, it's, been, it's been published a lot, obviously. Um, Rav Yashev passed away a year, a year, a year something ago. And Rav Yashev was an extremely structured person. Um, everything about him, his, 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 his thinking, his Seder Ayom, um, everything very, very rigorous, rigorously structured. And they described his, um, his morning. So he would always go to sleep about 10 o'clock at night and would wake up five minutes to two. And, but, and by 2 or 5, he was sitting and learning until the morning, then go to Shachas. And that, that was his day. He slept four hours a night. Um, and uh, very, very organized, very structured. Um, but his grandson described that his, he had, when his, after his wife passed away, he had a grandson that was with him and would take care of him. He said he would wake up at 5 to 2. He would throw the blanket off the bed and run, wash his hands, and, and put cold water on his face. He did this when he was mid-90s. Um, and it obviously wasn't easy. Obviously, even if you've done it for 90 years, um, getting up after four hours of sleep is not easy. He, he also never showed, he actually never showed tired. I mean, you know, I still remember, you can ask him, Shilas, he, he was always alert, and always, uh, you know, the, you never see him nodding off. But, but he was very, very, but the fact that he needed to do that after so many years meant it still wasn't easy. It still wasn't something that, that was all, because it is hard. It's just very hard. And, and to me, that was kind of, on the one hand, it's something you look up to, but you say, you know, he, he also had to struggle with what he had to struggle with. Uh, he didn't have to struggle to get up 7 in the morning, but he had to struggle to get up 2 in the morning. Just different what time you struggle. Some people struggle at 6, some people 8.39 is a challenge. It depends just on, on, on the, the, um, what your pressures are. But, but at any rate, the, the, um, the, the need, Claudius jump. Our first mitzvah, it takes effort. And therefore, and therefore it's, it's, it clies so like a line. It says that they're always being misgabbed. Next paragraph. Zui Torah of Elena mitzvahs. Shalonu. This is Torah, and that's what mitzvahs are about. Ume'ata novin ki dafke ha mitzvahs It's only the difficult mitzvahs. O dafke mitzvah shekiyuman kosher benesoyne biskabras. The mitzvahs that, 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 that have obstacles in the way, they have the schooler to bring us to higher madregas of ruchnius and so on. I, I want to talk about this outside a little bit and discuss, discuss I guess, the practical implication of it. Um, we're not supposed to look for things that are too difficult to do. We're not supposed to ask for Kaddish Baruch to test us. That's not chasvishal. Person is not supposed to take those chances, and and given the choice, a person is supposed to um, is, is not supposed to put himself into into a situation where he might fail. But the flip side of it is as follows: we get presented, many of us, with mitzvahs that have difficulties, and it's one thing when you're young; it's another thing when you get older. You don't. You feel frustrated that your progress is slow, um, and that this particular thing is irksome. We get a sense if we're used to, to jogging at five miles an hour or ten miles an hour or whatever it is, um, a road that's causing us to go one mile an hour because of the slope or because of the obstacles. We sort of instinctively feel that we're doing less than we ought to. We feel frustrated. Um, and the truth is, it's the other way around. If, if we're dealing with a person, anyone who's grown up in a good derech of Torah and so on, does favors, does chesed, and, he's, and usually you reach a point where there's a very positive response. You do nice things, people do back nice things, it's a nice world. Every so often there's a person that's not easy to deal with. Um, uh, I don't know if, even if you do favors for him, or especially if you do favors for him or her, it, it doesn't make a difference. That person is difficult. And you say to yourself, well, why did I get stuck with that person? I mean, it's frustrating. Uh, we, we don't like, we, 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 wherever we are, we want to be comfortable. 
It's part of, you know, there's a time in life when you want to conquer the world, when you want to do great things. There's a time in life when we want things. Okay, at this age, it, I shouldn't have to be struggling with it. Um, and, and every person knows what exactly is the issue that are most difficult for him. He brings here, and he's speaking, again, bear in mind he's speaking to Yeshiva Bachrim, um, so the last two or three lines goes as follows. We, having been Yeshiva Bachrim and being educators, we understand that for most boys, the toughest battle is sitting down and learning. It's, um, you know, a young boy is full of energy and life and wants to run all over the place, and to get it to buckle down for an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, five hours, it's very difficult. It's challenging. And they will look for every mitzvah under the sun. There's no, no limit to how much chesed they're willing to do just not to have to go to school. They, they will build all the sukkahs in town just to be able to take a day or two off. Um, you know, and, and that's why the focus is, since the spiritual activity that's difficult for you the one, the one that's challenging is learning. That's where we need to make the effort. That's for a young boy. That's what he talks about because he's speaking to that. But for us, the whole gamut of being, everything that comes to us that's not easy for us. For some people, learning is easy and enjoyable. For some people, it's difficult. And it's one thing when you're 16 and someone tells you, you try a little harder and you'll see it'll go. And it's one thing when you're 60. Um, it, 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 it's true with every single... Everyone has his challenges. At least, if we understand that this is what fills us with content, that the areas, a mitzvah that took effort is the one that has real substance to it, that changes the entire... It makes it... At least we understand what we gain by working by it. If the only, if the only yardstick we have for measuring our progress is, is, the, is the distance we covered, th- then a road that's uphill and rocky is, is really a net accomplishment of very little. But, but, if, but if we have a very different yardstick for accomplishment, it's the difficulty, then it's, we've worked up a good sweat um, and a lot of tension. Maybe that's a lot more giving us a lot more um, body than, than something we could have breezed through. I remember I had a, a Rebbe, it was actually the son I met him, um, his name was Rebbe Rucham Gerelik. Some of you might have heard of him, some not. He was a Rosh Hashiva in YU for many years. He was extremely sharp with it, acerbic. Uh, I'm sure you, you probably have tasted some of his, been at the end of his wit. If you, uh, and he, he was once giving us a very good muscle for this. And he said the following. He, he, he had a, some sort of heart condition that he needed to work out in a gym. So I don't know if the story as such is true, but it was a great, it was a great muscle. He said, no, I come in. And the man, he had a, like sort of a lisp. He says, the man says, no, Rabbi, 50 times bend over and touch your toes with your hands. So he says once, twice, three times. He said, no, it's not, it's not, it's, this, is not, this is not good. He says to himself, Yerushiva Bacha, use your head a little bit. He said, obviously, the health benefits are from your thumbs touching your toes. So he sat down and grabbed his toes with his thumbs, and triumphant, he's getting all the health benefits without the, doing the hard work. Um, you know, so it was a muscle like... It's, it's, it's not the end of doing the mitzvah is the form that's, that's sort of the shell the, the, what changes you and fills you with content is, is, is the substance how much sweat did you work up when you, when, when, when you did the mitzvah how much pushing did you have to that builds the muscles so if we're taking a look and taking stack around you know, it's Roshan and Yekipa time so obviously there are holes, there are things we need to, you know, to do that we don't do, there are things we need to stop that we do. Those, you know, that's one area, and I think we're all sensitive to that. There's another area when you take a look at the scope of life. We all want to be good people. We all want to do good things. 
and there are areas where Kaddish Baruch Hu seems to throw us real curveballs. A person would like to be Kibbutz aim, and he may have parents that are at a difficult stage in life, or just not easy people, and it's frustrating no matter how much he does. And, and why I keep doing, keep doing, and it just keeps slipping on it. It's just not getting much traction. Every step forward is two steps back. Uh, for another person, it might be making a minion on time, or it might be, for another person, it's learning. For another person, it's, it's um, dealing even tempered with people that get on your nerves. It, it, there are a lot, of, a lot of those mitzvahs out there that each and every one has their own tests. It, the difference between difficult and frustrating is worlds. None of us, I believe, here shirk difficult work. We all dread frustrating work. Because frustrating work is there's no sense of accomplishment. The Gemara says you're not allowed to, it's a Pusik, and the Gemara Dashans, you're not allowed to work a slave. Even at a Knaini, you can't work, in Evid, you can't work with, uh, um, with Avodas Perech. Avodas Perech literally means difficult work, but in Chazal it says it's not Avodas Perech, it doesn't mean difficult, it means useless work. There is nothing as difficult as something has no purpose. So if we, if we, when we look at the, at the gamut of, 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 of mitzvahs and nesionos of Averis that we have, and when we look at those that are especially difficult, we can at least understand that this separates the Russia, the unworthy, from, from, from the person that's a tzaddik, in this sense. Um, there are people that have bags full of mitzvahs, but those mitzvahs are lightweight. Lightweight in the sense not that the mitzvah is not important, but how much did it take from your part, from, from on, on your part to to to, to do it? I, I want to finish with a story of about Rebaran Kotler. I think is most appropriate. Rebaran Kotler was an extraordinary genius. He, he was off the charts, very very quick. His mind was was phenomenal. He once saw somebody learning and struggling very hard with simple pshat. And Rebaran was moved to tears, and he said, the Yegiyas HaTorah that this person has, the effort that, he can expend, that he's expending, I'll never be able to do. And it's something that I don't have, that, there's a spiritual side to that, that because I have such an easy head, and then he used it. It wasn't as if he didn't coast, he didn't sit back. But still, there's a, there's a, there's a difficulty. There, 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 it's, it's climbing up a cliff when you can't make out simple words, a simple shot. And, and understanding a great mind, who was one of the great Torah minds of, of the last uh, generation, understanding the quality of someone that every single thing that he did took so much sweat, and having a tinge of jealousy for that. That's 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 a different perspective. Our should help us. Um, we should have um, a year with uh, a, a year with all good, and especially Ruchnius. And we should learn to appreciate those mitzvahs that are building us and giving real substance and f- filling in the filling the weight. Of, of, of those of those uh, seeds in that remote. A good job.